Well, hello, welcome. We are diving back into the book of Acts. Uh, my name is Coley. For those of you that don't know me, I'm so excited you're here. We're talking about something big today. We're talking about the true superpower. And you and I together in the Word of God are going to explore what the Bible says about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does in our lives. Um, and so I'm excited for this text. Uh, and so we're going to jump in. I'm going to read for us uh, starting in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 1. But before we do, will you pray with me and invite the Holy Spirit to be here and just have his way in this study? Are you with me? Let's pray. Uh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I pray that you would have your way in our time with you today, Lord, that you would speak 
whatever fresh word you have for your community of women, Father, I pray you would use this text to guide us into the truth about who you are. And we are open, Father. We are open and excited to see what you want to do. So Holy Spirit, come fill whatever space uh, we are in, and may you get glory in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're diving in. We're talking about the true superpower today, and I don't mean anything of this world. Uh, Our culture has a hunger for power. We're always looking for the next powerhouse people, powerhouse couple, powerhouse politicians. Uh, We're not talking about that today. We're gonna see the power of the Holy Spirit moving in his people uh, to do things that they are unable to do without God in them. Um, And so, We're going to dive in. I'm going to read Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. You can follow along in the screen with me. Uh, It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. If you'll remember, there's about 120 of them gathered, uh, and they're all waiting. They've been waiting for about 10 days now for the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. So men and women gathering. It's almost like, think of like Christmas morning. Do you remember that feeling as a kid where you were so excited? And maybe you had sat in Santa's lap a month ago, and you told him what you wanted. And there's this anticipation for the day that you get to wake up up and your gift is under the tree. Um, For me, it was a Polly Pocket one year. I wanted it so bad. It was yellow. It was a heart. And I could put that little Polly Pocket wherever I wanted. And I wanted the little bathroom and the little garden. Um, I could not wait to see if I had gotten that for Christmas. So um, that's a little taste of what this crew is experiencing. They've been spending 10 days just worshiping the Father, trusting that he would fulfill his promise to give them the Holy Spirit. And so Pentecost, this is the day they're gathered, they're waiting, and we see what happens. Verse 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them crazy. So the gift of the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost. Now, Pentecost is a Greek word for 50th. And what happened is the Israelites used to celebrate, the Jews would gather 50 days after the Passover happened to celebrate the fruits of that harvest season. So this is a time that Jews from all over were coming to Jerusalem to celebrate uh, Pentecost, which meant time for celebrate the harvest that just was given to us. So all the Jews are gathered here and then the gift comes. And I love this. There's three expressions of the Holy Spirit uh, for every type of learner and observer under the sun. So there's three signs that the Holy Spirit's come. The first one, uh, the rush of wind. There's an audible sound. Have you ever been to a football game and the teams run out and there's a roar in the crowd? Uh, That sound lets you know something big is about to happen. Um, And John 3, 8 says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So the first sign that the Holy Spirit has come is the audible, the rushing violent winds. Uh, The second sign that the Holy Spirit has come, that the promised gift is delivered, um, is 
Verse three, uh, divided tongues as of fire are coming down. It's a visual experience. These divided tongues are coming down and resting on each person, uh, which is a fulfillment of Jesus's promise given in Luke 3.16. Uh, John answered them all, uh, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am unworthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So this is prophecy spoken through John the Baptist that when Jesus comes, he would baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. So we have the audible, the audible sound of the wind. Then we have the visual of these divided tongues, flames of fire coming down. And then the last one is verse four, and they begin to speak in other languages. The third sign we have of the Holy Spirit is oral proof. Um, and Acts 1.8 says, and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. This last one is starting to break cultural barriers. The disciples who receive the Spirit start speaking in different languages, which is incredible and phenomenal. Um, so today, what I want to do is I want to highlight uh, three ways that the power of the Holy Spirit proves itself to be the true superpower, the superpower worth hungering after, worth asking God for, worth chasing, worth receiving, worth our whole lives. This is the true power uh, that God offers, not just the disciples. He offers this to you and I. So whatever's on your birthday wish this year, whatever's in your Amazon cart list, I want to tell you, it, ha it does not compare to the gift, the promised Holy Spirit that the Lord offers to all who believe in his son Jesus. Uh, that gift that promised Holy Spirit is still available for you and I today. So today I wanna to explore three things that the Holy Spirit does um, that hopefully will invite you and I uh, into a posture of openness, uh, ready to receive whatever the Lord would have for us. So the first thing we see is this, uh, God's power is for God's purposes. Um, in this text, we see the Holy Spirit come on them, and the first thing they start to do is they start to witness the truth about who God is in another language. Now, I don't know about you, but I am usually drawn uh, to power that serves me, right? Uh, I think we live in a culture, in a world that is hungry uh, for power, for success, for fame, uh, for popularity, for favoritism, whatever it is you want to name it. Um, we can have a tendency inside of us to want to be powerful in and of ourselves for our own means, whether that's to get ahead in our career, whether that's to be likable, whether that's to accumulate a bunch of stuff, whether that's to stock house security and comfort, uh, you and I can be drawn to have power uh, that benefits us. And we see right here, when the Holy Spirit falls, uh, the disciples don't go out and start trying to create money or create fame to create, well, the first thing they do is they start testifying who God is in a language that they didn't grow up speaking. God's power is for God's purposes. And so when you and I, when we invite the Holy Spirit, I want more of you, come on in. We can expect that the Holy Spirit is going to do the things of the Lord, that God is gonna fulfill his purpose, his mission for us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so this is in verse, uh, I forget what verse it's in, but when they start speaking, um, I gotta, oh, we're gonna read on. 
That's why I got a little lost in my notes, sorry. Uh, I'm gonna read from you from verse five on, and I want you to watch this encounter of how God uses the spirit for his purposes. Okay, verse five, it says, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Remember, they're here to celebrate Pentecost, so they're different cultural backgrounds, different geographical backgrounds, different languages. Verse six, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speakings Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Alamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Um, so one of the commentaries that I read uh, made a really cool observation that I don't think I would have known um, had I studied it. But what happens is this group of disciples starts speaking in other languages. So all the Jews from the neighboring countryside cities, they've all come to celebrate Pentecost. And it says in verse seven, utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? So one of the commentaries I read explained to me that Galileans um, in the social time would have been like the hillbillies of the crew. They would have been blue collar workers. They weren't very educated. Um, and so all these more educated, sophisticated Jews are coming in and they're hearing what we would call today hillbillies, people from the country who maybe didn't grow up with that education. They're starting to hear the gospel spoken through these hillbillies in their own language. Um, one of the commentaries specifically that I read said it would be as if uh, coal miners from West Virginia came and were speaking uh, to the MIT Alumni Association in their own terminology, their own language. They were meeting them exactly where they were at. Uh, that's one thing I love about our God is his power enables us to do things that you and I could not do on our own. And it supersedes social barriers, ethnic barriers, religious philosophies. The power of God is for those who believe in the resurrected Jesus Christ. And so whatever limitations you feel in your own life today, um, Coley, I can't witness because of this, because I don't, I don't have this position. I'm not outgoing. I didn't come from the right family. I don't live in the right neighborhood. I don't speak the right language. I want to encourage you, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit will cancel out all of that because God's power is for God's purposes. God uses uh, this tribe of mitzvahs, these 120, we'll call them hillbillies for the sake of the comparison, hillbillies uh, to start to spread the good news to the other towns. Remember in uh, Acts 1.8, he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and to Judea and Samaria. God is starting to fulfill his promise right here the second the Holy Spirit falls. Suddenly, these people who have come in from other towns are hearing the gospel in their own native language. And I don't know if you've ever lived anywhere else, if you've ever been overseas, ever traveled to a place that you didn't speak the language. Um, it can be overwhelming, it can be scary. It, if you're ever lost, I got lost once in India, I didn't speak Bengali, I didn't speak Hindi, and I definitely didn't read either one of them. So I was on the train waiting and I didn't know if I was on the right train. Um, 
if you find somebody who speaks your native language, who can communicate to you in a moment of need, something you need, it feels like a safety net from heaven came down. Um, I remember I was at a train station. I had no idea which, I couldn't read the language. I didn't know if I was on the train going north, the train going south, the railway system in India is crazy. So I stood there and I was nervous. I didn't want to get on the wrong train because I didn't know it, where it would take me. And I just looked lost and confused. And a man come up, came up to me and he said in English, he said, do you know where you're going? And I said, no, I'm trying to get to this city. And he said, you need that train over there, number two. It saved me, saved me. To hear something in a language you understand speaks to the core of who you are, the background you come from, the language you speak. God is starting to make connections to the ends of the earth. He's starting to bring the good news to those who are in the area. And this is one thing I love about the gospel. The gospel, the force of the gospel, is something that goes out. It goes out and it meets people where they're at. The gospel was never designed to be something that people had to learn to get in. Well, you don't speak our language, you don't go to our church, well then you don't know. No, the gospel was always meant to go to the ends of earth to meet people exactly where they're at in whatever station of life they're in, whatever season they find themselves in. The gospel is good news and it goes out to the, all the earth. It goes out, it does not expect others to find it and come in and learn a language they don't know. It goes out to them, which I love about our Lord and the way he designed the kingdom of God. It's an open invitation for everybody. So here we see in this first passage, they start speaking and this is the response. Um, some however made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Uh, so they're experiencing these people that are from all over celebrating Pentecost. They're experiencing something they've never seen before. All of a sudden, all these languages are being spoken by the local Galileans and they're confused. They're like, wait, wait, do they drink too much? Like what's happening? This isn't normal. This isn't human. They're starting to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's the first point I want to make today. God's power is for God's purposes. And so I wonder today, wherever you're at, what does the Holy Spirit want to do through you to accomplish his purpose? Maybe there's somebody in your life um, that needs a really good friend, that needs a listener. Maybe there's someone that you ha have sinned against who needs to be asked for forgiveness. Maybe you're going through a really tough economic time and the Lord wants to use the power of the Holy Spirit to allow you to trust him in ways you never thought you'd be able to trust him to get through it. I don't know what God's purpose and plan is for your, for your your life today, but I do know that the Holy Spirit um, is the gift he gives us to fulfill the plans that he has for us. So if nothing else, be encouraged today, invite the Holy Spirit to have his way in you so that the will of God is done. The disciples, when they opened themselves to this gift, they received it. The first thing they started doing is proclaiming the good news in a language that they did not know. Um, the second thing we're going to see today is that God's power through the Holy Spirit is to change God's people. The Holy Spirit, when we receive it, it changes us. It makes us different. It transforms us into the image bearers that Christ designed us to be. It makes us more like Christ. And we're gonna see that right now um, with the character of Peter. So verse 14 says, 
Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he goes on to quote the prophet Joel, which I'll just give a portion of it. Verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Now, if you'll remember, which you might not, so I'm gonna jog your memory. About 52 days prior to when this happened, uh, Jesus told Peter, he said, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. And we see when Jesus is en route to his crucifixion, uh, he's sitting around a campfire, Peter's there, and a, a girl approaches him and she said, you, you were with Jesus, weren't you? And he, he f- afraid and scared, said, no, 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 I wasn't, I wasn't with him. Someone else comes up and asks him, hey, weren't, weren't you with Jesus? He said, no, 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 that wasn't me, that wasn't me. I was, I had nothing, I was no part of it. And the third time someone came up and said, you're one of, you're one of his disciples, you were with him. And he backed off, he cowered away, he said, no, uh, no, that's not me. And then the rooster crowed. Do you remember that, Peter? That's the Peter that we're talking about right now. Peter is a trans formed man. The confidence and the power and the boldness boldness with which he stands up, that's not of Peter. We just saw 52 days ago, he was willing to deny Christ to his face. And now Peter is addressing a whole crowd and walking them through scriptures and the fulfillment and what they mean with boldness and with confidence. Um, Some of you will know the movie Mulan. I love the movie Mulan. I was so excited. It was on my calendar for a few weeks before it was released last week. My roommates and I were waiting for it. Um, It was our big like final celebration. Uh, We were waiting to watch Mulan together. And one of my favorite scenes of Mulan is when they're in the army camp and all these rag about soldiers are getting trained into warriors. And there's this song that says, Mr. I'll make a man out of you. Because what happened is all these boys from different tribes were gathered and none of them knew how to fight. None of them knew the art of war. And so during the movie of Mulan, they all get trained and disciplined and they go through strategic planning and all this stuff to make them into men, to make them into soldiers who will fight. And that's the vision I got in this, is Mulan and the crew raised up to warriors through the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter has been made a warrior for the gospel. Instead of denying Jesus, now he's proclaiming him boldly. And he goes on, he explains the uh, the prophecy in Joel. Then he goes on to the prophecy in David. And I just want to highlight, it's kind of a long passage, so there's one verse I want to highlight. Verse 32, Peter says, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Peter puts his feet on the rock And with the Holy Spirit inside of him, he declares a truth to all the world, to listening ears, to those who are wondering, how are all these men speaking in different languages? Peter tells the story of Jesus and the truth of who he is. And so if there's something I wanna pray for you today, 
It's that you would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to speak with boldness and with truth. These are not Peter's words. Normal Peter that we saw 52 days ago was afraid of the crowds, wanted to deny any connection he had with Jesus. Now he's received the gift of the Holy Spirit and Peter's able to stand with confidence and say with authority, Jesus Christ is the King and the Messiah and I saw him resurrected with my own eyes. I am a witness of who he is. This is the invitation to you and I, that when we have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, it changes us. And for those of you who are afraid of speaking, who are shy, I think of Moses who had a speech impediment and said, no Lord, I don't don't pick anybody else, I don't wanna do this. I wanna encourage you, the Holy Spirit is available to you. It's available to give you courage, power, and boldness that you and I maybe don't have in our own flesh. Maybe that's not a natural skill set or something you like to do. I want to encourage you, ask the Spirit to give you boldness and power. And maybe it won't be standing up on the side of a street or a temple and preaching to millions. It might just be talking to someone in your own family saying, hey, no, I, I believe in Jesus. and This is what he did in my life. And he can do it in your life too. You and I are changed people with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. So if you're feeling intimidated, thinking I could never do this, I wanna encourage you, you might not be able to, but the power of the Holy Spirit in you does. Uh, One thing I noticed when I was reading this text, and I've noticed this my whole life, uh, Jesus never picked superstars. He didn't go for the most educated. He didn't go for the most talented. He picked ordinary boys who were fishermen and he made them superstars through his own power so that God would get the credit for everything that happened. Anybody who knew Peter or saw him before and witnessed him preaching with boldness would know Peter's not an eloquent speaker. He's not a really confident guy. He was the one that was hiding in the corner when they were trying to figure out if he was with Jesus. This is the power of God on display. God wants to use your life to showcase his power. It's not about you being good enough. It's not about you being talented enough. It's not about you being right all the time. It's just about the Lord coming in and doing something through you that you could not do on your own. God will give us the words to speak if we rely and trust in him. So I wanna encourage you today, you can be a witness of the gospel wherever you go because of the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through you, which I love. God's power is for God's people and God's power in us, it changes us. Um, I want to read you a verse from John 16, 7. This is Jesus speaking. He says, he's talking to the disciples, he says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So the trade-off was when Jesus went up, the Spirit came down. When Jesus went home, he was able to send the power of the Holy Spirit to his people. And that gift is still available to us today. I want you to be open to that. I want you to be praying into that this week. What does it look like for you to receive the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you? Because God uses his power for his purposes and he uses it for his people, you and me. Uh, Last point I wanna make today. Uh, God's power in the Holy Spirit is for the unity of God's bride, the church. God uses his power um, to accomplish his purposes and to change us. And one of the things that the power of the Holy Spirit does is it unites God's people. And we're gonna see that in the, um, 
in the end verse, but before we get there, I want to jump to verse 36. This is when Peter is speaking boldly. He said, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Some of you who don't know Jesus, who are hearing this, uh, who might feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that something's off, that something's wrong, that you, do, you, that you were made for more, there's more available and you don't have it. If you sense that tug, the people that Peter was preaching to, uh, they felt the nudge, something's off, I, I need Jesus, I need the Holy Spirit. This is how Peter replied to them and this is how I'll reply to you. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter says repent, repent is just a turn. Turn from things you're doing and live differently. And I wanna encourage you today, just for the sake of food thought, for you to chew on a little bit, I want you to think about repentance, not so much in your behaviors, um, but more as a belief. Uh, turning from trusting things of this world and putting your hope in anything besides Jesus, I want you to think of repentance as changing your mind that Jesus does fulfill every promise he had and he is the hope of the world and he is able to save you and he will forgive your sins. When I think of repentance, I want you to think about changing your mind about who Jesus is, who he is for you and what he does because the reality of the gospel is not do, 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 do. The reality of the gospel is it is done. Jesus did it period, end point. Now the choice that you and I get to make is whether we believe that his work accomplished uh, the forgiveness for our sins or if we need to strive and work out our own salvation and figure out everything in our own. So I want you to, when you hear that word repent, I want you to think about what would it look like for you to change your mind to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and that all of your sins are forgiven. Anything you've ever done, you have access to his kingdom because of the blood of Jesus. And then the second thing he says is, and be baptized. For those of you who haven't been baptized, baptized is an expression of our faith. It's a declaration to the world saying that I believe that Jesus Christ died for me and that because he shed his blood on the cross, my sins are forgiven. So it's this outward expression. You go into the water and you come up. It's this outward expression of an inward reality that there is new life in Christ. You have been washed clean and now Christ lives in you. Uh, so for those of you who have never been baptized, I encourage you, reach out to us. Uh, you can email us at women at CA and we will give you all information about upcoming baptisms. But once you come to faith in Jesus, one of the first things we believe that you should do is you should get baptized to make uh, external declaration of God. I believe that me being dunked in the water is a reality of what you've done on my inside. You've washed away my sins and given me new life. Uh, so those are the two things he says. And then I want you to just hold on to this verse for today because I just, I have this sense in my spirit somebody needs this verse today. Verse 39, Peter says, the promise, uh, this is the promise of Jesus forgiving your sins and you receiving the Holy Spirit. He says, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This promise is for you and your children. 
and your children's children and for all those who are far off. Some of you today are experiencing loved ones in your life that do not know Jesus. I want you to hang on to this promise today. I want you to put it in your back pocket. I want you to pray into it. Lord, would you be faithful to my family? Would I trust that you are able to do all things through Jesus and that you will use the power of the Holy Spirit in me to accomplish your purposes for me, for my family, for those who are far off. I am a vessel, Lord, use me. Uh, I feel that some of you need to cling to that today, that the promise is for you and your children and your children's children and those in your life that are far off. Nothing is impossible with Jesus Christ. Um, So then we're gonna jump to that last point. Um, God's Holy Spirit is for the unity of his church. And with that promise, we see God bringing all people in. It's not just for you, it's for the next generation. Your faithfulness begets faithfulness. It's for those coming up and down the line. Um, And so, jumping into verse 42, we're gonna see just a beautiful, beautiful picture of what the Holy Spirit does uh, when he unifies us as a people. So verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. God's power is for the unity of God's bride, the church. What I love about this is when they received the Holy Spirit, they all had the same spirit in them. I'll never forget, I was like 15 when I understood the significance uh, that the Holy Spirit is in all of us and it's the same spirit. It's the same spirit that's in God, that's in Jesus. That same spirit lives in all of us. You talk about being connected. You talk about being a family. Uh, This is a perfect vision. They all were of one spirit. They all had the same spirit in them with the same mission, with the same purpose, and they gathered together uh, to celebrate that, to live in that truth. And I think there are six small things uh, that we can take away from that today. What we do, what we're called to do, what we're invited to do that allows us to live in unity with one another, the way that God designed it. Giving the Holy Spirit to his, his people helped them to form the church. And you and I are called to be the church. So these six things I just want to touch on briefly of things that I believe we're encouraged to still do today, and I hope you and I are doing them. Number one, the first thing they did, they learned more about God. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Um, the apostles were teaching straight up the word of God. Learning more about God, um, we do that through a variety of ways, but one of the ways we do that is through studying his word. What does God have to say about who he is? What has he done? What's his character? What does he value? What's he like? We learn about God. Uh, one way we do that is through the word of God. So the first thing that they did is they studied the apostles' teachings. They studied scripture. They studied who God said he was. Uh, they focused on their vertical relationship. So they, they got to the business about knowing who God is. Uh, for those of you who ever were dating, maybe you're married, maybe you're currently dating, maybe you're hoping to date. When you date somebody, the goal is really to get to know them. Are you the kind of person I want to spend time with? What do you value? What do you like? Uh, do our personalities mesh? Oh, do we share things in common? That's uh, the same with our relationship with Jesus. It's almost like a courtship relationship that we get to keep on learning 
more and more about who he is. And one of the cool things that I love about seeing Jesus as the dating relationship is we just get to learn more and more about how much God loves us, how much he delights in us, how much he's made us in his image, how much he's for us. Uh, I feel like in this this season, this culture that we're in uh, of cancel culture where people are getting called out, there's critics, uh, we tend to be self-critical of ourselves. I don't know about you, I know I do. Um, my relationship with Jesus is where my cup gets filled. It's where I get validation. It's where I remember that he is continually giving me his love and there is no limit to it. That relationship with God, reading the word, learning more about him, dating him, courting him, uh, is one of the most amazing blessings that we have as his children is that he lets himself be known and he wants us to know him and he wants to show how well he knows us. So the first thing the apostles did is they learned about God. The second thing they did is they had fellowship with one another. Once we get the vertical relationship down, once we're receiving love from God and we realize that we're chosen, we're forgiven, we're his kids, uh, we get to overflow that into our community around us. We get to fellowship. We get to be in relationship with one another. So out of our vertical relationship with God flows our horizontal relationships with the community. And I love that they're together. I love that they're fellowshipping. They're praying together. They're worshiping together. But they're creating bonds. They're leaning on each other. Uh, we also live in a very independent world, independent culture. We can do everything by ourselves. Um, this is a beautiful example that God really designed us to need one another, to lean on each other, to ask for help, to give help. We were created for community. Um, and that's a beautiful picture we get to see in this passage. So we learn about the vertical relationship. We learn about the horizontal relationships. We need fellowship. If you don't have fellowship, I want to encourage you, jump into a Bible study, uh, jump into disciple makers with us, join CA moms, go to a life group, whatever we can do to get you into community. Uh, we want to help you do that because we believe that's where growth happens. The third thing we see them doing is worshiping God. Uh, worshiping is really just praising and being in awe. They are reminding themselves of who God is and what he's done in their lives. And they're giving him praise and thanks for it. It's a part posture. To worship God is to put him back on the throne. Self-centeredness wants to draw us in to focus on ourselves, our problems, what we need. Worship is reminding ourselves how small we are and how big God is and how he is worthy of praise and how he has done everything he's ever promised to do. He's good, good father and he's good to his word. So worship reminds us of the beauty and majesty of who he is. Uh, the fourth thing they do is they pray. Uh, throughout these 10 days where they were waiting for the spirit, they would gather and they'd worship and they'd pray. Uh, there's power in praying in groups. We're all called to pray individually as well, but the Lord says where two or more are gathered, I will be with them. There's something about coming together in fellowship with your brothers and sisters and praying, agreeing about things that we believe God has for earth the way he has for heaven. Prayer is a communal activity, uh, and it's something that the disciples practice often, um, and when they received the Holy Spirit, imagine how powerful their prayers were. All of one spirit praying together, asking the Lord uh, to give them what they needed to do his will and his purposes. That's a beautiful vision for us today. 
Uh, fifth thing they did, uh, we see it says that everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. They started exercising and flexing the Holy Spirit's power within them. It says there were many signs and wonders performed. Uh, you and I have the access and authority and power of the Holy Spirit in us. We're allowed to do things that we can't normally do. Things like healing, things like prophesying, things like speaking in tongues. Um, they were doing these things in the Spirit of the Holy Spirit and the spirit of what God had intended them to do. And they were just delighting and celebrating together that this power was not of their own, that God had truly put his own spirit in them and allowed them to do things that built up the community, healing, prophesying, speaking in tongues. That's to build the faith of those around us. So they started flexing those muscles. They started trying it out. It's like when you get a new bike or even something, anything new, a new paddleboard, you want to go try it out. It takes a little while to get your footing, to experience uh, how it moves, what, what, it's, what are its quirks, I guess you could say, what makes it tick, what makes it doesn't. They're exploring what this new gift is and how they use it. They're putting it into practice. Uh, and the last thing they do is you can see there's outreach. In verse um, 40, is it 41? Yeah. Uh, 41 says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Once the gospel went out, there was a welcome sign on the door, all are welcomed in. They were outreaching. Um, if you remember in Exodus, the day that God gave Moses the law, 3,000 Israelites died. And I love this. I love this reverse. The day that God gives the Holy Spirit, 3,000 thousand people come to new life in him. Uh, so 3,000 people were added to their number. Suddenly, the disciples are starting to glimpse that this power, what God's doing, it's not all about them. It's not the holy huddle, just us and no one else. It's suddenly this realization that God wants to use us to go to the ends of the earth, to proclaim the good news to people who are living in darkness, to be light for those who are lost. And so part of what they did is the first church, when they gathered, their focus was on who's new, who doesn't know, how do we get more people and how do we invite them? How do we let the message go out? So those are six things. Uh, that the early church did that just remind us that the spirit is always for unity. The enemy will do almost anything to divide us. Why? Because division in the body uh, creates chaos, it creates pain, creates hurt, creates tension. And when we're focused inward on all the things going wrong, we don't have time to do the things outside that the Lord's called us to. So the enemy always wants to divide us. So I want you to just pause and think for a moment. Where is there division, tension, conflict in your life right now? I wonder what it would look like for you to submit that to the Holy Spirit, to ask the Holy Spirit to bring you to see the truth, if that division is real, if it's something that needs to be addressed, or if it's just the enemy trying to confuse you when God has something good for you uh, in that relationship, that conflict. Um, the, the purpose, the mission of Christ is always to unite us, and he uses the Holy Spirit to do it, but the enemy will do anything to tear us apart, anything to divide us. Why? Because we're less powerful when we're divided. We're much more powerful when we're in one spirit, one accord, living in unity. Uh, so I want to encourage you, what would it look like for you to be united with somebody that you're in conflict with today? Would you pray about that? Would you ask the spirit to show you um, if maybe the enemy's gotten a foothold, if he's, if he's breaking down barriers and walls of things that really were meant, you maybe you're meant to be in partnership, doing things for God's kingdom with uh, people, with a group, with a community. Uh, would you ask the Holy Spirit to bring unity 
where there is purpose and where God is calling you. Because I believe that's one of the greatest gifts he gives us is to be united uh, when everything else in the world wants to tear us apart and divide us. God's bride uh, is his chosen vessel to bring about the good news of the kingdom. And that is you and I. What does it mean to be the church? To be the church means that we accept that we can't do it on our own, that we're human, that we're broken, that we don't have the power, and we need a savior. We need Jesus Christ to come and forgive us of our sins, and we need the gift of the Holy Spirit to do the things the Lord calls us to, to go into all the nations, to preach the good news, to baptize, to disciple people. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I wanna close today uh, just by saying, that the Holy Spirit is available to you. And I think some of you, I sense that some of you are hungry for more of the Holy Spirit's power. And so how I wanna close this time today is, I don't know if you're sitting in a computer in a living room with your kids all over, I don't know if you're with your husband, I don't know if you're on a walk by yourself, wherever you are, however you're able, I'd love for you to put yourself just in a posture of receiving. Um, And I just wanna pray over you today that the Holy Spirit would come upon your life in a new and fresh way and that you would realize the power you have to be his witness, uh, to be his people, to be united as a church body with other believers. I wanna pray that over you today. So wherever you are, if you would just sit in a posture of receiving, I wanna pray for you. Holy Spirit, I invite you now to enter the hearts and the homes of all the women who are watching this, Father, wherever they are, if they're in the kitchen, if they are in their bedroom, if they're in their living room, if they're at the dining room table, Lord, wherever uh, your daughter is right now, would you send the Holy Spirit upon her in a fresh way, Father? Would you give her courage, boldness, confidence, Father, to be your witness on this earth. Lord, I pray that women would experience new signs, new wonders of what your power in them looks like. And I pray for the enemy that would want to steal anything good from them, Father. I pray that they would have the power and the boldness to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit through faith, Father. And that when we have the Holy Spirit, Lord, that our goal would be to be united as one family in Christ. That there would be no division, God. That we would seek unity uh, through the power inside of us, Father. So I pray for each woman today. Uh, Would you go for her? God, would you chase after her? Would you pursue her? And would you show her uh, the promised gift that you died to give us? We thank you, Lord. We receive it now. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, ladies. Uh, It's been fun to dig into this uh, text with you. Uh, Stick with us. We will see you again next week as we dive into week number four. So have a great week. Praying for you.